One day they're going to remove that evil filth that you give out every night on that radio. They're going to remove that filth and that's going to be a good day for this community. I say the kind of filth that you dish out night after night is bringing us to the verge of the brink. Yeah, we just had a, you know... Once in a while, we have to read the fan mail here. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Thank you, madam. Uh, we appreciate your view. Certainly nice. I, I like to know. You know what I felt for a long time as a performer? That, that when the day comes when you're no longer accused of dealing in filth, that will eventually uh, be driven off the air because the good people will get behind such a move. The day that you stop getting those letters is the day that you're in trouble as a performer. <laughs> and and you know who told me this? No less an authority. You curious? Steve Allen. Yes, sir. So I have you know I have to bring the authority out here because you wouldn't believe me if I said it. But if Steve Allen said it, that makes it official. So let's uh, hit the gong, will you please, there, Al? Hit the gong, please. Little uh, little classic uh, limpid piece here. We're bringing to the gang. Yes. And tonight we'd like to salute that newest movie star, Ben. Ben, uh, that uh, that evil rat. That newest movie star, we'd like to salute him. Which shows, by the way, how much our times have changed. Lassie is now passe. Mickey Mouse, who was obviously a benign little mouse, he's gone. <laughs> who cares any longer about Yogi Bear? He, too, has disappeared. Not Yogi Berra, Yogi Bear. That's a different bear. Ah, yes. And who is now merged and who's moved forward to join all the other great movie stars of our time, along with Jane Fonda, along with Raquel Welch, along with concerned people like Paul Newman. There he rises like a luminary in the East, Ben. Time with a voracious rodent, an evil creature like the rat, be made into a major sympathetic hero. <laughs> Already, there are several studios I know that are grooming at least one I know of, at least one hammerhead shark for stardom in the future. I just thought I'd let you marinate a little bit in this uh, this quiet Mozart here. Oh, <laughs> 
Thank you, Al. Thank you. Just keep that right there. You don't have to reset that. Just leave it right at that point. Stop it there. We're ready. We're, we use it from there. It's not everybody that you hear who can hum the toccata and fugue in D minor. I mean, believe me. I mean, I... No, uh, you know, speaking of, of Ben, now, if you haven't seen Ben, you know, Ben is this rat. You, you've seen this rat? Uh, this is his second starring role. He starred in a movie before. For those of you that missed Willard, yeah, he was great in that. Just fantastic. I, You know, uh, when they started to get after him, I could, big, you know, I could just feel the tears coming up in me. I mean, I'm, I'm a hard man. I don't uh, cry easily. But when they started after Ben, I really felt bad. But he got away. That's that's what the what counts. See, that's the essence of a true hero. He gets away. I think Ben has to be the ultimate anti-hero. I mean, uh, you remember the roles that Montgomery Clift used to play and Jimmy Dean used to play. That was the anti-hero in the beginning of the anti-hero phase. Uh, but uh, Ben has to be almost the ultimate anti-hero. Where do they, they make uh, the Anopheles mosquito uh, star? I mean, that's the one that carries malaria. And uh, eventually, of course, somebody has to do a movie where it shows that the Anopheles mosquito is only doing his thing when he carries uh, malaria around. And furthermore, he's actually helping mankind because he's cutting down the population and all that stuff. You know, we do have problems with population. And uh, I, when I saw Ben, I said, gee, you know, uh, the idea of a rat. Now, that's a rodent, man. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Ain't many people who can get up the guts to say a good thing about a walking around sewer rat. Now, we're not talking about those. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what he is, you know. Let's face it. I'm not. And I, I, I'm immediately going to get deluged with letters from the pro rat faction. There's no question about it today. One of the one of the big changes that has come about in our time is that you cannot say anything against anything without getting. Uh, a blast from unsigned letters. This is a fact. Oh, yes. What are you? Are you a, a you neo-fascist rotten... Oh, you get this stuff from the mother. What you say? If, if I came on tomorrow and said something bad against, uh, let's say, a hurricane, Hurricane Agnes, I would get... Listen, I would get held that wouldn't stop. I would say, what is this? Are you anti-woman's lib? After all, Agnes is a, a feminine name. And there's no question about it that you were driven to say bad things about this hurricane because that hurricane was named Agnes and not Fred. That's right. We know what kind of a... Here at last the true colors are coming out. Oh, you can't beat it. <laughs> and there's no humor. No, no humor. And so I'm sorry if I've offended anybody, you know, who's pro-sewer rat out there. And I'm sure that there may be many sewer rats who are probably listening at this time. Or quite offended. And I can only say that I, I'm not I'm not even saying anything anti-sewer rats. I'm just expressing surprise and perhaps even a little delight that a sewer rat has finally made it as a top movie star and a sympathetic movie star at that. Now, does that make you feel <laughs> both sides? See, you make sure that the, everything is uh, quietly covered up. But nevertheless, I was surprised when I saw that rat make it big. Yeah, that's a great rat, made it big. And his name is Ben, which is kind of nice, you know. Uh, I say, though, he will not make it really big until this rat takes up a popular cause. Now, every good movie star knows that there's a point in your career. Now, this is an open letter to Ben. 
You remember when the Luella Parsons used to give open an open letter to uh, Ben? Uh, dear Ben, right now, you are riding the crest of a wave of popularity. But all of us in Hollywood who have been here for many years know that popularity is a thing which can come and go. And Ben, here's an open letter from your friends in Hollywood. And it reads this way. Ben, it is not enough to be a popular star and be the idol of millions. It is not enough to be a star who makes thousands of dollars on every picture he makes. We in Hollywood know that the actual responsibility of a star is to take up good works and to lead mankind into better ways. And so follow the case of Jane Fonda, who took up the Indians, Paul Newman, who took up the cause of peace. Ben, we ask you, when are you going to take up a good cause? Sign Luella Parsons from Hollywood. Thank you. Now, what good cause could Ben take up, you know, as a big, successful movie star now? Well, he could take up, uh, let's say, the ASPCA. He could uh, start raising money for homeless uh, French poodles. Or uh, possibly he could take up the cause of one of the great minority groups, which for years has been subjected to nothing but bad talk. Cockroaches. After all, uh, how many of you can say honestly in your soul that you haven't at least once in your life stepped on a poor defenseless cockroach? Ben could take up this cause proving once again that the cockroaches are the, two, the true meek of the earth. And that, actually, the cockroach population is much more important to the world in general than the people population, which is doing nothing but throwing beer bottles into the water and the squirting gas into the air. No cockroach has ever been known to throw a sardine can into a beautiful sylvan stream. And so we don't, uh, we don't rule out that possibility that, and incidentally, Ben may appear on telethons. You know how stars always appear on telethons for muscular dystrophy? Maybe he will appear on, on, on telethons for the spread of bubonic plague, which uh, rats have always been involved in. Of course, he says bubonic plague is why the population. Bring it up. Hmm. Oh, God, yes, please, please. I don't need that kind of applause. Come on, come on. It's all right, gang. It's all right. I know I'm funny, but not that funny. Cut it out. But they... <laughs> no, when I, when I saw this, this development scene, I thought to myself, gee, this is, this is, this is really significant development. It really is. And uh, it's, it slipped by. Not, no social commentator that I know has pointed out that we've made a very important change in our viewpoint where a sewer rat, a live one, it's not a cartoon sewer rat, it is a live walking around sewer rat that will bite the living you-know-what out if you're given a chance. Yes, sir that a walking-around sewer rat has made it as a major sympathetic. And that, he's not a heavy. Remember that? The guys that are after him are the heavies. So uh, this is a very important viewpoint. And incidentally, it shows something. You know what it shows, really? It shows that mankind, and I, if, if I can get pompous at this moment, and uh, pompous time now, friends, uh, it shows that mankind has ultimately, has gotten to the ultimate stage of self-hate where he recognizes one of the chief benefactors or let's say a sympathetic creature 
is what is considered by many entomologists, and, and uh, it's not the entomologists that do it mostly, but many uh, uh, zoologists and people who deal with, with, uh, with what could be called, uh, let's say, the non-human world, many of them consider the rat the chief enemy on the world scope, the chief enemy to mankind. Did you know that? That the, that the billions of dollars that rats cause... Uh, that, that the amount of famine that rats cause, the amount of disease that rats cause, goes into the untold millions and billions every year. In fact, you know that they that I read recently uh, a uh, uh, now how I don't know how they can compile such a statistic, but I read recently in one of the magazines that that the rat population of New York exceeds the human population. And it ain't as visible. But uh, <laughs> that is, did you hear? You heard? You've heard that? Well, uh, so so that's that's an interesting point when we begin to think of the rat as a as a beautiful creature, that, and that that makes an interesting point. And and of course this is this is a a, a well known. Oh, let's get Freudian on you. This is a well known Freudian manifestation that ultimately the the uh, the prisoner or the victim begins to love his attacker. Have you ever heard this? That, 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 that carried on long enough, the victim ultimately begins to have great feelings of warmth and affection for the enemy, which is the cause of his undoing. Uh, this can be seen in many areas of history. Uh, <laughs> it's fascinating. But uh, nevertheless, the idea of the rat uh, to me, making a major inroad as a as a big star is an important sociological change that's come about in our world. It would have been unthinkable, you know, 20 years ago, five years ago even. But a rat, and uh, oh, that reminds. This is W O R in uh, New York. What do you mean to remind? I, I'm, no, that was just a just coincidence. Just coincidence. Nothing remind. <laughs> George. No, I was talking about society at large. Of course, that represents WRI. Not, not the rat. No, no. Now, by the way, friends, the Mandarin House in the Village on West... We've got we to gotta get on neutral ground here. The Mandarin House in the Village on West 13th Street. Uh, it's a restaurant that I've been going to ever since I first came to New York, personally. It's a good one. Excellent Chinese food uh, of all different types. It's on West 13th Street, right down to the village. If you want to see one of the nicer streets in the village, and, and a lot of people never get at anywhere outside of McDougal Street or Sullivan Street, uh, you know, when they come to the village, you ought to try 13th Street between 6th and 7th. Uh, that's a beautiful part of the village, and that's where the Mandarin House is. And now, since it's summer, uh, their beautiful outdoor dining room. They have a they have a beautiful garden where you can sit outdoors. And they have a fantastic, gigantic Buddha there, by the way. <laughs> Oriental garden and brooks and pools and all that stuff. So when you sit down to have your Chinese food, you can have it under lanterns. and It's really nice. And even in, in uh, cool weather or rainy weather, the garden is still open because they run a canopy over the top. And it's, it's got a heater and everything in there. It's really great. This is the Mandarin House, and it's on 13th Street, West 13th Street, between 6th and 7th. And... Uh, you know, that's, what can I say about it? It's a good restaurant. I think you'll enjoy it. The Mandarin House. Yeah, -ch yeah, yeah, it's Portugal all the time. <laughs> I got a letter from a lady who insists that I should learn to speak Portuguese, and she can't tell me why. 
<laughs> but it is a great place, and it's a wonderful country to visit. And if uh, you're between the ages of 26, that's under 26, and over 12, you're eligible for the Youth Fair, which is really a fantastic deal. It's $210 round trip, and uh, that ticket is good for a year. If you don't know much about Portugal, it's about time you found out about it. It is the place where all the European kids go on their summer vacations, and you know why. Unbelievable beaches, just a beautiful country. The prices are low, the food is great, and, you know, it's just a real nice place. Call your travel agent, or TAP, it's the Intercontinental Airline of Portugal, at 421-8500 for complete information about their $210 youth fair for Portugal. Oh, man. We have a note here from the New York Institute of Technology, which, by the way, is a fine school. And if you're a transfer student or a recent high school graduate or a return veteran, you can start planning your own future at New York Tech by working towards a degree and preparing to enter any one of a hundred rewarding professions. They really have some fine technical training over there. You can choose accounting, architecture, advertising, Marketing, TV, radio, of all things, administration, art, business administration, business, and so forth. And you can study day or evening, or they have a graduate study there. Uh, you can earn two degrees in four years if you're ambitious. So if you'd like to get their catalog, classes begin, by the way, September 7th. So you better start making plans. You can call, write, or visit the director of admissions today. It's a, they have a campus on Old Westbury. It's just off Route 25 out on Long Island. The telephone number is 516-MA-6-3400. And the Metropolitan Center is across from Carnegie Hall at 888 7th Avenue, 56th Street. That's New York Tech. You know, speaking of animals, uh, there was a little piece. Animals are beginning to make a fantastic comeback. You know, for a long time, people thought that... Uh, that uh, well, in fact, there were predictions made around the turn of the century, which may surprise a lot of you because people don't... We're not very historical-minded in our country. We don't... You know, the latest prediction is the biggest thing, and, and uh, we never compare that with predictions of the past, which gives you a little perspective on current predictions. When you see how far wrong people could have been, say, 50 years ago, it gives you an idea on how far wrong conceivably we could be in our predictions. Although anybody making a prediction at any given time never can conceive of the idea of being wrong, <laughs> you know, and, and uh, going completely haywire. But you know that 50 years ago, it was believed, well, let's say a little more than 50 years ago. Yeah, about 50 years ago, some of the things I've read uh, in, in, in looking at the history of this kind of thing, that around 50, 60 years ago, it was believed that within 50 years disease would have been almost entirely stamped out in uh, in the civilized world. Now, we can't believe that now. I mean, it's... it's a, uh, and, and it was also believed about 50 years ago that 50 years from that time that poverty would be practically non-existent. This would all come about, of course, through technology and one thing and another. <laughs> and, uh, you know, some very serious people were saying these things, and they were, they were, they were very well-qualified people who were listened to by the people of the time. Uh, on the other hand, there were predictions made, say, uh, 50 years ago, that, uh, that due to the fact of the airplane, uh, that the, the airplane had been just really invented at that time, you know, it was really making its inroads 
that the airplane would eventually destroy all of civilization. And within 50 years, we would be lucky if there were anybody alive. This, this, this also was predicted. Uh, meaning, of course, that, that guys that predict total disaster have been wrong, historically, and guys that predict total beauty have been wrong, too. <laughs> so all I'm saying here is that, uh, is that uh, it, would, it would surprise a guy who was around, say, 50, 60 years ago, it would surprise him to see that the rat population of New York is bigger than the, the people population. He, he wouldn't believe this because he said, what do you mean? All the fantastic new technology, all the great poisons, all that stuff they've developed. You mean to tell me the rats are even more than they used to be? They are. You know, the rats, there are more rats today than there used to be. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that the population has declined. The population has grown fantastically. <laughs> now, what else, what else has grown? Do you know that, that, the, that the deer population in the United States is larger today than it was when Columbus first uh, sighted land in the New World? Now, that's hard to believe. It happens to be true. Now, there's several reasons why. Well, the kind of food that deer eat and the, the range, the, the kind of uh, grazing area they, eat, they, they live in has grown since man has come here. In other words, the deer is not essentially a forest animal. You find that, that the, the deer, uh, deer live off farms, deer, deer live off a cultivated land, much better, and of course they're protected. Uh, and and uh, they've been, uh, there's been a lot of work on diseases of the deer, which nobody did anything before Columbus, of course. So that the deer, today, there are more deer in the country than there were at the time of the first landings of the pilgrims. Now, that's interesting. Well, let's see. It's shoe town time. Shoe town, shoe town. Da 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 da. <laughs> hey, they have a big sale on the famous Converse sneakers for youths, boys, and men. And you won't believe it. For only four forty-four a pair. Now these are really fine sneakers. If you know anything about sneakers, you know that Converse sneakers are one of the best sneakers. Are you a sneaker? <laughs> Converse sneakers, oh, that's a bad pun. But they're only four forty-four. Now, these are the ones with the sharp, contrasting striped twi uh, trim. And they really are fine-looking sneakers. And they, they, you know, they're, 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 they're the sneaker of this year. Now, let's see. Uh, there are sizes 11 to 2 for youths, 2.5 to 6 for boys, 6.5 to 10.5 for men. But girls can pick them up, too. Now, this sale ends Saturday. So go to Shoe Town. Get these Converse sneakers while the price is hot. They're open Sundays for your convenience in Lakewood, Bricktown, and Tom's River. Sneakers. Over the past 32 years, Newsday, the Long Island newspaper, has become one of the great success stories in publishing history. Recently, we started a Sunday edition. And what Newsday has done so well six days a week, we're now doing just as well on Sunday. For example... Our coverage of sports. I'm Ed Comerford, sports columnist of Newsday. When we started our Sunday edition, we felt there was an opportunity to do something new and exciting in sports. For example, we doubled the size of our Sunday sports section. This lets us run big action pictures and layouts. It enables us to run more sports news, especially about school sports. And since Newsday isn't trucked out from the city, we can give you late Saturday night results. Saturday is a big day in sports. That's why sports is big in Sunday Newsday. Newsday, Long Island's own Sunday newspaper. No service charge for home delivery.
This is Barry Farber invading your privacy, please. Do you read to get drowsy or do you read to keep alert? If you're the kind of person who uses a book for a sleeping pill, then go on back to sleep. You do not need the book find club. Any book club can keep you adequately supplied. But if reading is vital to you, if it keeps you up on what's going on, if reading stimulates you and makes you more stimulating, write down the phone number that I'm going to issue three times because you'll be in touch with the Book Find Club. And this is a different kind of club. Book Find gives you all the club benefits, great savings on regular hardcover publisher's editions, extra bonus books, convenience. But listen to the books that make up the Book Find Club. They're not afraid of books on politics, race, religion, sexual liberation. The Book Find Club loves books that ought to be bound in asbestos. As an incentive to join now, Book Find will send you two extraordinary books for just one dollar plus postage and handling. These books, typical of the books we offer, retail for about seventeen dollars and listen what you get for your one dollar. Galen, Spy of the Century by E.H. Cookridge. This is a spy story to end all spy stories because it's real, incredibly real. The shocking exploits of Richard Galen who was a master agent for both Hitler's intelligence service and the CIA. Also, Open Marriage, A New Lifestyle for Couples, written by Nina and George O'Neill. Is marriage on its way out, or are there going to be new way out forms of marriage? Read Open Marriage. Fascinating. Call TN7-1441, TN7-1441 for a trial membership, and get Galen and Open Marriage both for just $1 plus postage and handling. Once a member, you need buy only two more books in a year, always at discounts of up to 30% off publisher's prices, plus postage and handling. Call now, TN7-1441. Operators on duty around the clock, TN7-1441. Or send name and address, no money, to Book Find, Box 2, WOR, New York, 10018. Book Find, Box 2, WOR, New York, 10018. Uh, now, uh, other curious things have happened. Uh, did you did you did you see a little piece that came out there recently in one of the uh, Camden papers? Listen to this. Uh, if not Camden, what what paper is this here? I'm going to take a look at it. Uh, yeah, Boston, Boston, and Boston, civilized city, right? Boston, or theoretically. Uh, here's here's a note from Medford, which is right outside of Boston. See, Medford is like a little sub, you know, it's like a sub city of Boston's uh, suburb, Medford. Medford Public Works Director Antonio LaBella has a slippery problem. Listen to this. Eels. I want you to picture this for a minute. Eels. You know what is it, an eel? Eels have invaded the municipal water system. The city of Medford. Some have clogged up water lines. And LaBella just does not know where the slinky animals are coming from. Since last week, and of course this is a couple of weeks old, this piece, since last week work crews have found three very large eels. The most recent was extracted yesterday from a two-inch water main which serves a department store in the Fellsway area. On Thursday, a four-foot eel was found in a six-inch pipe at the corner of Almont Street, and another was taken from a three-inch pipe supplying water to an apartment complex on Fellway Drive. All of the animals have been found in the same general Fellsway section of the city. Eels have been used in other countries, by the way, to clean up water supplies. They, they put them in the water supply in other countries. They clean it up. See, they're scavengers. This is, they're quite harmless. But the eels, which have found their way into the Medford pipe system, just don't know how much concern they're causing LaBella. 
for some reason, for and this is an American thing because we we're not used to things like eels. Eels are very mysterious to us. For some reason, uh, it's a, for many of the residents, just the thought of the eels in their drinking water is too much. I mean, they're passing out. The eels in the water, and one disgruntled apartment dweller has threatened to sue the city. We're quoting Lobella here, who's in charge, but he said, "I just don't know where the heck they're coming from. There's no possible way for them to get into the pipes unless they swam all the way from the reservoir." Bella said. By the way, the reservoir is over 100 miles away. Quote, he says, once they get in the lines, they can't get out. I don't know if there are any more in the system. He said, we found four. There must be more. And uh, I thought his final line was kind of groovy. Uh, he was saying these guys were figure, you know, that they, they got a call from this apartment house that the, the water was low. They weren't getting much pressure, see. So uh, they sent a bunch of the boys down there to, to uh, clear up the clogged lines. He figured it was a standard clogging job. They opened up the thing. He said, you should have seen the boys leap when, out of that ditch when that four-foot eel popped out. He says, them guys ran down the street for a block and a half. <laughs> That's a great line. But he sounds like a guy with a sense of humor, And uh, uh, I think. Listen to what he says. He says, you know, he says, maybe if we get any more, maybe I'll get a push cart and sell them in the market. You know, eels are a delicacy. <laughs> He's going to start selling them. Got a push cart. But now, all right, now, who would have thought that the that eels would be expanding fantastically in the in the Boston uh, water supply or the Boston area water supply? All right, you know, you can't predict this. Now, I, I, uh, I, I you know, I saw Ben. I thought to myself, well, gee, you know, Ben, that, that reminds me of the day. I, uh, you know, you don't see many rats in New York. You know, they're walking around four-legged types. Uh, you see plenty of others, but uh, you don't see this type. And uh, one day I'm walking along Park Avenue. Uh, this, yeah, I'm, I'm calling Park Avenue. Park Avenue. I'm telling you, this is a fact. Park Avenue. And I was at at, at around fifty, oh, I would say fifty eighth, roughly, and Park, fifty eighth, fifty ninth, right in that area. I mean, that's Elegantsville. For those of you who don't know much about New York. Friends, if you think you know about high rent district, <laughs> all I gotta say is, is this is the ultimate high rent district. So I'm walking along Park Avenue. It's a beautiful sunny day, and uh, I'm going downtown on Park. I'm, I'm moving south. See, I'm walking. I can see up ahead of me. I can see the beautiful structure of the Pan Am building, cutting out the sun. And uh, I'm walking along there, and I come to this this street. It's, it was either 58th or 59th, one of the side streets there. And uh, all around me were, were these girls and these the, the people that you see walking up and down Park Avenue in the afternoon. You know, tall, thin girls with little poodles and little old ladies with parchment skin. They're walking along there. You know, the, their old man left them two and a half million dollars uh, 18 years ago, and they've been living there ever since. You know, that kind of scene. See? And uh, that's largely a feminine area, by the way, in case you're interested. You you go along that area there, and and it's the, it's the area of the elderly widows with a lot of jack. Uh, it's the it's the area too of uh, young ladies who uh, have learned early in life that their talent lies in uh, well uh, let's put it this way they do all right and uh, so <laughs> it's quite an area see and so uh, it's very elegant so I'm walking along there being elegant you know, I'm I'm uh, playing like I belong there see and I'm walking along and I come to the corner of 58th and Park one of those streets there it's a beautiful sunny day and uh, the light is red. So I stop, and I look around, and the chick goes by me, and you, know, you smell a Chanel number five, and next to me, there's a couple of little elegant shops, you know, where they sell, you know, they sell $27 ties, and, 
at the $64 shoelaces and all that kind of stuff, you know, that are plated by, uh, uh, you know, made out of uh, genuine uh, chinchilla hair, and all elegant stuff. Say, I'm standing there. And uh, this nice little old lady comes down the street, and she stops there next to me, and she's, uh, she's with... Uh, She's with one of her aunts that's come down from Boston. These, you know, real Park Avenue types. You know, I can hear them talking to me. They, you know, they're going down there talking about the theater. It's about the only thing that concerns people out there is the theater. And uh, so they're standing in the corner there. And uh, there are some of us who, by nature of our training, possibly, would you agree, Al, it's, it's a matter of training. It's a matter of background. I don't think it's... it's, it's uh, I don't think it's... Uh, objective training i think it's training which we have learned in life our eyes are constantly shifting looking around we don't want to get it we don't want to give anybody the opportunity of a cheap shot at us uh, <laughs> you know it's a it's 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 a guy that's continued that if you've played any athletics in your life you're always watching for a guy to come from slightly to from the behind and uh, just out of your range of vision and get you a shot that's going to kill every every tendon in your knee, you know? So you just keep looking around. Well, I'm looking around there, and, and I can't help but see. And I suddenly see a movement. I look down. Now, the people on Park Avenue never look down into the gutters of Park Avenue. They don't see the gutters, for heaven's sakes. But uh, I see the gutter. I look down, and there, walking along as casual as you ever believe, at first, I thought it was a small rabbit. Then I said, no, it can't be. It must be an escaped French poodle that got too close to the lawnmower and lost its ears. I can't believe it. There, casually walking along. He's just walking down the street there, just as cool and as calm as you could believe, you know. There he goes. Must have weighed 19 pounds. I mean, he had a back on him, almost as broad as your, your average... Uh, your average uh, Great Dane. And he's, he's got this dirty gray color, see? And he's got these two yellow beady eyes with little red rims around them. And he's just walking along casually, just just picking his teeth. It is the biggest, meanest, dirtiest, toughest-looking alley rat that I have seen in years. This is a true sewer rat. And he's casually walking along the curb. Uh, you know, he's sniping $2 cigar butts as he goes. He's walking along the curb on Park Avenue. And these two ladies, one of these ladies standing next to me is talking to the lady next to her. She says, yes, of course, you're the theater isn't what it used to be, Marge. You recall back in the days, they didn't even see it. Oh, what a parable. What a parable. I suspect that 75% of our population doesn't see a damn thing anyway. That old alley rat just walked along there. He knew he was safe. Nobody in Park Avenue ever looks down at their feet. All right, thank you. <laughs> I shouldn't tell you this story. I'm gonna. I, I just gonna have to. Every time I think of Ben, you know, this is this is a rat story. And I'm, I know a lot of people are gonna get. You know, they're going to write to me, Oh, Mr. Shepard, what a terrible program you did about rats. Well, I think we ought to know about rats. I think I think the rat is, is getting too good publicity these days. I, 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 let's put it this way. I'm giving the other side of Ben. You know, Ben the beauty. Uh, ben the uh, new movies. When, when is Ben going to make an appearance on the Carson show? Plugging his newest picture. You know? 
<laughs> After all, that's what those nighttime talk shows are all about, plugging stuff, you know. When's he, gonna, he should appear, you know. I mean, it's beautiful rad. But, uh, you know, speaking of rats and, uh, you know, movie star rats, how many of you ever read a short story? I read a short story once. Uh, I was in the Army at the time. I remember reading a short story. And uh, very few things really stick with you when you read them. And it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't a good story particularly. It didn't say anything. Just the idea kind of got to me. It was about a flea. And, and the story was written about a flea. It was, it was a, the, the life story of a flea. And uh, this flea was in this little movie house. He lived in a, in a seat in a house, I believe, in Brooklyn. And, uh, and every night he would crawl out and he would watch the movies. Until, you know, he became a fantastic movie fan. And he wanted to become a movie star. And he didn't know, you know, there he was. You know, there's a poor, sad little flea. And, uh, and uh, he, he was in Brooklyn. How do you get there? Well, one night, this, this beautiful chick came to the movies. And she happened to sit in the seat that he was in. And uh, there she was sitting there, see. And he saw his ticket to Hollywood. So he hops right on. He hops aboard, see. <laughs> and she's sitting there watching. And sure enough, a couple of months later, she takes off and goes to Hollywood. Well, now here's the flea. He's made it. Well, she didn't go all the way to Hollywood. I think she went to Chicago. And that poor little flea realized that he had a long way to go. So he hitchhiked and he walked. And uh, he struggled his way over the desert. And uh, his poor little feet were sore. And finally, he got to the outskirts of Hollywood. And it was a fantastic trek. It took him months. He was worn down to a nubbin. And he was even smaller than the average flea by this time, just from walking. And uh, he finally arrived out in Hollywood, and he began to hang around the studios. You know, he's, uh, you know how they have these, uh, what they call a general call when all the extras appear? Well, he's in the crowd out there, see, waiting, waiting. And sure enough, one day, he's there for months, and he's hungry, he's not working, uh, he's not doing anything, he's not even working as a flea, he wants to be a movie star, see? Sure enough, one day, out of the, out of the door, of the personnel department comes a man. He says, uh, "He says, anyone here know a medium-sized flea for a role in a picture? Uh, we're looking for a medium-sized flea. It has to be a male. We're looking for a flea that has a uh, good character and uh, has a a strong uh, a strong face." Well, here he was, the right time, the right place. Millions of fleas, billions of fleas, had lived and died before this flea. They were before their time. He was at the right place at the right time. Well, within five minutes, he's before the cameras for a screen test, and he came off beautifully. He'd been dreaming at this moment. He played this flea, this elegant flea. And incidentally, the movie role required that he be an elegant flea living in a Park Avenue apartment. Of course, he'd been dreaming of this for years. So the role just fit him like a glove. He played it beautifully. The picture was made, and it was an overnight smash. He became the richest flea in the entire world. And he had a beautiful apartment. He got these silk dressing gowns, and he began to smoke cigarettes in long, long holders. And more than that, he discovered that he wasn't interested in lady fleas at all. How shall I put it? Uh, I had to put this sensitively. But uh, he was like many another actor before him. Uh, he... Uh, uh, but let's put it this way. He was an elegant flea. You know, the kind, you know. He was very elegant. <laughs> so he, 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 he was, uh, one role followed the next. 
I mean, he had three or four great smash hits, and the, the fan mail was coming in, and then all of a sudden, the whole business of the Flea movie went out, that his, his days were over. And of course, the problem of a movie star is always, uh, not so much when you're at the top, it's when the calls stop coming. Well, this flea went from bad to worse. He took the drink. And uh, he, he contemplated suicide. And uh, he was talked out of it by his analyst. And finally, in the last moments we see the flea, he's gone back to the house in Brooklyn, the movie house. His great career is over. And uh, to this very day, it is rumored that that flea is still working at movie house in Brooklyn, but he has these great, sad memories. Now, I suggest to you that Ben could very well be going the same way. Obviously, Ben is a big, big rat around the studio now. Now, they've had many a big rats around them studios before. I, I mean, uh, there are several. I mean, usually, they wear big horn rim glasses and stuff, you know, and they sit around and smoke cigars and make calls to the coast. But uh, nevertheless, uh, this uh, uh, he's obviously at the peak of a fantastic career. He's the biggest rat, quite possibly, uh, the biggest rats in Hitler. He's made it. What's going to happen, though, the day when he begins to slide downhill, when uh, the calls start getting less and less, and Ben is hanging around his magnificent apartment in Beverly Hills, and uh, he's still living off the caviar, and the calls aren't coming in. Oh, we've seen it happen before. We remember what happened to John Barrymore. We know what's happened to all the great performers in the past. And so, Ben, we would like to suggest in our open letter from Hollywood, we would like to say to you, Ben, remember fame is a fleeting thing. It is what is inside the creature that is really the truly important things in life, Ben. And now that you are at the top, remember there are many less fortunate rats everywhere. Remember those rats. Remember your humble days in a sewer in Cleveland, Ohio. Remember those days. And save a little for those days when the calls will not come so often. So good luck, Ben. And we wish you very much success in your new marriage. We wish you success with your new yacht. But we also wish that you remember your early humble beginnings. Luella Barsons, reporting from Hollywood. <laughs> W.O.R. New York. You stay tuned for Lester Smith and the News.
scandal is hit New Jersey politics again. This time it involves Secretary of State Paul Sherwin, longtime close confidant and chief political advisor to Republican Governor William Cahill, Sherwin, Republican fundraiser William Loughran of Seagirt, New Jersey, and contractor Michael Manzo of Morganville, New Jersey, were named today in federal and state indictments in which Sherwin is accused of extorting a $10,000 contribution to the state GOP from Manzo's contracting firm in exchange for a $600,000 road construction contract. There have been reports that Manzo himself blew the whistle on the state official after the contract had been taken away from the original low bidder given to his firm, only to have the contract taken away from the Manzo firm and given back to the original low bidder. The indictments charge that Loughran arranged the payoff from Manzo to the state Republican committee through Sherwin. Even without congressional approval of $400 million in revenue-sharing aid for New York State, says Assembly Speaker Perry Duryea, there will be no need for new taxes to balance the state budget. Speaking in Albany today after a meeting of some Democratic and Republican assemblymen, Duryea noted that the state might not even have to face a budget situation next year without the help from Washington. Based on a rather surprising vote, or I would judge a surprising vote in the House on revenue sharing, and what uh, is reported to be a very firm commitment on, from a number of United States senators on revenue sharing that uh, we have stand a very good chance of getting uh, federal monies, which have been anticipated, of course, both in the New York State and New York City budgets. Beyond that, uh, some of the special uh, grant requests which New York State has been working on over recent months uh, look uh, very good. And there are very encouraging economic signs in the state. We can go into 1973 without uh, consideration for new taxes. The attorney for Edith Irving claimed today that the Swiss government had reneged on an explicit and unconditional promise not to extradite her for her role in the Howard Hughes autobiography hoax if the wife of the author of that phony book stood trial in the United States. Mrs. Irving is currently serving a two-month prison sentence in the Nassau County Jail. Attorney Maurice Nesson made the disclosure of the alleged deal with the Swiss government during a three-hour extradition hearing today before United States Magistrate Gerard Guttel in Manhattan. Mrs. Irving had been indicted in Zurich on charges of forgery, embezzlement, and theft. The lawyer called Assistant United States Attorney John Tighe as a witness, but the federal official declined to testify on the extradition arrangements with the Swiss, apparently on direct orders from United States Attorney General Richard Kleindienst. The New York Times reportedly may have violated the Election Campaign Act by publishing an advertisement calling for the impeachment of President Nixon. The Office of Federal Elections says the Times failed, as was required by law, to obtain a written statement from those who placed the ad that it was not authorized by any candidate for federal office. The newspaper said it has in its possession a disclaimer from the chairman of the National Committee for Impeachment, which placed the ad that it was not authorized or paid for by any candidate. It said that such a disclaimer was not published with the ad because the Times employee in charge of compliance did not believe that it involved the president's candidacy or the campaign. These notes from our WR community calendar. The orchestra of the city of New York will perform Bach's Brandenburg Concerto No. 2 and the folk duo Fat City tomorrow at 12.15 and 1.15 p.m. Salvation Army Centennial Memorial Hall, 
120 West 14th Street in Manhattan. Admission is free. If you're a young person looking for a summer job that the New York State Employment Service wants to help, they know that for you, happiness is a summer job. Visit your local office of state employment for aid in summer jobs. Michigan's Republican Senator Robert Griffin became embroiled in a bitter argument on the Senate floor today with acting Democratic Majority Leader Robert Byrd when the Michigan Republican reintroduced his bill which would bar the courts from ordering busing to further school integration. Griffin, who was the Senate GOP whip, had sought to attach the busing bill as a writer to a $9.7 billion anti-poverty bill. Senator Byrd angrily accused Griffin of using the busing proposal to help his fellow Republicans scuttle the poverty legislation which has been on the Senate calendar since early May. Griffin, whose anti-busing bill was defeated in the Senate by three votes 